Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you. Superman song indeed. Brad Roberts turning 59 years of age from the crash test dummies. This is Oilers Now. It is brought to you by World of Spas. Aching after a long day, World of Spas offers tubs designed with your relief in mind. Rest, recover, and relax with World of Spas, Alberta's number one swim spa dealer. Visit worldofspas.com. Coming up on today's show... A recap of what was in large part an ugly night in Los Angeles right uh, last night for the Edmonton owners. There's no way to say it. They got crushed on the PK. LA went four for seven on the power play. Uh, the owners power play, which had been terrific all year, 32.2% stunk the joint out. Uh, LA did a great job prepping for him. This is a Kings penalty kill last night that was 29th in the league going into that game. And that's had some issues over the years, uh, even dating back to when Todd McClellan uh, was in Edmonton with Trent Yanni. They had some tough stretches on the PK. Um, as is typical in a bit of a rivalry, the Oilers beating the Kings in the playoffs. Things got a little nasty at times late in the game, and there were certain guys that showed up and certain guys that were complete non-factors. We'll be discussing that. Uh, there's a huge absence in the Oilers lineup for nights like that. And uh, one would argue the last two games have revealed that Oilers general manager Ken Holland has some work to do. And I think for a lot of fans out there listening to the show right now, uh, the belief is that work needs to be done sooner rather than later. Let's get to it. Uh, coming up on today's show from Daily Faceoff for our friends for Horse Racing Alberta. Frank Saravalli. He will join us at 1235 at 105. Today is the WHL trade deadline. One of the guys that's been breaking a lot of the significant moves out there has been Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick. Uh, he tweeted out today that Dylan Gunther's rights likely to be moved. I can all but guarantee you that's going to happen. The Edmonton Oil Kings have Gunther's rights. Arizona, of course, as Gunther, he's played the first half of the season with them. They basically have until the NHL trade deadline to send them down. Would not surprise me to see Gunther get moved later today by the Oil Kings. Uh, Seattle, Portland, Kamloops, Saskatoon, who just picked up a winner's prospect, Jake Jason, uh, who was having a tough, tough season uh, in the Western Hockey League. Uh, and Winnipeg are the most active franchises out there right now in the trade market. So, uh, American Saravalli on today's show. Uh, lots of time for listeners' calls and texts on the Ashley Five Floors text line. 780-496- 0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, or head to AshleyFineFloors.com. And you can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort Casino excitement. Bet on it. The Oilers recalling Vincent DeHarnay yesterday. He will play tomorrow against Anaheim. The team is in Anaheim. They'll hit the ice today at the Honda Center today at noon. Uh, I fully expect DeHarnay in. And based on last night's performance, a pretty obvious opportunity to go back to 11-7. and 7. Stuart Skinner, meanwhile, has headed back to Edmonton. His wife is due. Uh, uh, Jack Campbell's going to get the starts uh, over certainly on Wednesday and probably on Friday as well. And maybe Skinner rejoins the team Saturday. I will tell you, I was a little bit surprised at the poll at 3-1 yesterday. And I'm going to bring Brendan Escott in at this time. Brendan, did that surprise you a little, especially given the fact that the Oilers were being sliced and diced on the PK? 
Here's why it didn't surprise me. It's because I wasn't convinced, Bob, that anybody was going to have the gall to go out there and throw a body check to start a fight, to do anything anything else that was going to spark that team. I think that Jay Woodcroft may have thought he was uh, you know, out of options alternatively and something needed to shake up there. So that's why I would defend that decision, though that's typically not when you pull a goaltender in my team. So good organizations have people with differing views. They don't sit there and always try to become uh, what's the what's the term we you know where everybody just sits there and, and uh, reinforces what everybody else an echo chamber. Uh, it is interesting in terms of the dimensions of the forward. You take a look at Evander Kane, and there were a lot of you out there that were not supporters of the Edmonton Oilers going after Evander Kane, even though you probably never ever met Vander Kane or had any conversations with him, but based on prior, you know, stories that have evolved about him. And the reality of the situation is uh, Vander, who ended up with custody of his child in a relationship that was a, a, a dispute that was public, uh, Vander Kane came into Edmonton, and I think most of us can agree, exceeded expectations. Had to have. I mean, he scored 35 goals in 58 games last season. And my concern, if you listen to the show for the last two months since it happened, was the moment Kane went down, that changed the complexion of the orders because they didn't have a lot of functional toughness elsewhere in their lineup, especially at forward. They had too many milk toast forwards that uh, were dimensionless. And they made moves to me which were perplexing. And I'll give you an illustration. So you signed Devin Shorter with a two-year deal. Then Brad Malone, who was on an American Hockey League deal for the three previous years, I'll give Brad credit. We went into a preseason game in Seattle, and they dressed a lot of their regulars. And uh, Jeremy Lozon was running around that game, and Brad Malone took a fight, even though he and several of, the, of his teammates in the preseason had told, because of the COVID situation, hey, we're, we're getting you down to Bakersfield after this game. But Brad Malone basically earned himself another NHL contract as a result of his performance last season. And, you know, fourth-line center, kind of like Shore, fourth-line center, utility winger in the case of Shore, fourth-line center for Malone. And then the organization went out and signed Greg McKaig to a two-year deal after already having Malone signed to a two-year deal and having Shore for another year. And the problem is, those guys are all kind of the same. They're all kind of 13th, 14th forwards, 14th, 15th, 16th forwards at the NHL level. And McKaig, unfortunately, uh, you know, at a $375,000 guarantee, he has does not scored an even strength goal in 30 games this year in the American League. It's he's had a he's had a terrible season. There's no other way to say it. And he did receive the benefit of a lot of ice time for large portions of the world. And what I would say to you is, and I think most of the listeners would probably agree, my preference would have been, given that you had Shore Malone signed, maybe you invest in a guy that's got a different dimension at $750,000, $800,000. There was guys out there looking for jobs that are NHL, AHL tweeners that could have had a little bit of bite. And it became an issue for Edmonton. It reared its ugly head when... Evander Kane got knocked out of the lineup after getting stepped on by Pat Maroon. That the, there was a concern for me that the Oilers didn't have enough bite as a result. Now, one guy that has stepped up and provided a little bit of that, and frankly, been better 
that I thought he was going to be was Clem Costin. You can make an argument right now, Clem Costin should be playing as the Edmonton Oilers' third line left wing. And they still need a guy on the fourth line. I don't know, Brendan, you can answer this. Did it come across on TV? The chirping and the gamesmanship that was going on from the L.A. perspective, like Drew Doughty skating around and chirping at the Oilers players the entire game. Uh, you know, Fiala was involved. Uh, obviously, Deneau went after Pugliarvi after Pugliarvi. Did, did that, because you could feel it in the building, and I could certainly hear it through my headset. Maybe we had odd effects last night, but could you see it? Was it noticeable in stretches during the game last and, night? You know what? To me, there was an element of that, but I find it is really hard, uh, you know, because I watch the home games at Rogers Place. You miss so much of what goes on behind the play on TV, so I suspect that there was an awful lot that the listeners to the show right now may not have been privy to, but we, we certainly picked up a couple hot mic moments. You could tell that it was an intense game for sure. Wow, and let's not forget Mikey Anderson is the guy that basically leg-whipped one of the world's best players from behind in game six. There still hasn't been, he hasn't been forced to deal with it. Um, I The clock's ticking here. And my a little bit of my frustration is I, I'll just say it. I think the orders, the moment Kane went out, the orders should have gone and addressed and brought in somebody. And we're talking a fourth line guy that should have been relatively inexpensive to get to at least be there as a backup for some of this stuff. Now, regarding Kane, ESPN reported yesterday he's ahead of schedule. If you've listened to the show, we've been telling you he's ahead of schedule. It wouldn't surprise me if he's trying to talk his way into playing against Seattle next Tuesday. Um, and that the, the doctors would try to slow play him a little bit more than that. But he is going to impact the orders when he comes back. And I have a feeling that uh, he's not going to take any prisoners when he returns. Remember how I talked about the fact I don't want a Vander Kane fighting, you know, because of the injury? That's not up to me. He'll decide whether or not he does it. And I have a feeling he'll have no problems handling it. Our top story for legacy heating and cooling, whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments or no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. Todd McClellan, put yourself in Todd's shoes. Fired, unceremoniously dumped on the road in San Jose. Um, you, you know, didn't get a chance to go head-to-head -head with his best players last year against the Oilers in the playoffs. Kings probably exceeded expectations getting there. His special teams last night were the story. Four for seven on the power play. And the Oilers PK, uh, 0 for six. As we go to the Oilers now, Audio Vault for direct workwear. Proud to offer on-site seams for services and embroidery. Get your workwear, have it customized all in one trip. An extended audio recap last night with Cam Moon on the call. Oilers start a four-game road trip. Left wing, Kopitar out to Kempe across. The one-timer scores! Kulak will turn it to the left wing corner, but it is brought out by Fiala. Hits shot, he scores! Fiala came out of that right wing corner and he goes short side upstairs again. And it's 2-0 for the Kings. Bouchard across to Nurse, winds up, hit shot off a stick, scores! Redirected in front of the net, looks like Yamamoto got his stick on it and the Oilers cut the Kings lead to 2-1. To Through the middle to Kempe, on the breakaway scores! They got the pass from Fiala. He goes five hole on Skinner. 
right off of Kopitar. Puck will go to Byfield. Oh, oh he gets drilled by Hyman. And the puck goes into the Oiler end. Dowdy, left wing to Fiala. Across the one-timer. Oh, what a save by Campbell. As Kempe let the one-timer go from the right side. And Campbell got it with the glove. Penalty kill. Part of it for Edmonton is they can't want to draw. It's it unbelievable. It's a great save. It's a great save. We're going to get a call here. Uh-oh. Berman South is ready to give us the After verdict. video review was determined the puck completely crossed the goal line. We have a good game. going to be the time of that goal. Four for six on the power play. Yeah. In behind the play. Dropping the mitts. Deneau and Pugliarvi as Deneau throwing right. He got the jersey up on Pugliarvi. And down to the ice they go. Back to the line. Bouchard shot right of the net. McLeod scores! That shot by Bouchard hits somebody. It went right to Ryan McLeod. Brought in by Ayafalo to the going on before last night's game, during last night's game. Interesting times to say the least. Again, we're in the Oilers Now Audio Vault for direct work where Jay Wilcroft says the Oilers battled hard last night. Uh, our team showed fight and our, our team showed fire uh, in a game where things didn't go all our way. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that's a positive sign. I'd also say that, you know, our, um, you know, we had some good hits on some of their skilled players, uh, legal in legal fashion. And, um, you know, I thought, uh, you know, on the physicality side of things, we were right there. And uh, it's nice to see some some guys step up with that. As, as I said, I thought that was spoke to the level of fight in our group. Meanwhile, uh, the special teams was an unmitigated disaster for Edmonton. They got touched up 4-7 on the L.A. power play. And the Oilers power play, which has been terrific all year, 0-6. Here's Jay Woodcroft. 
Yeah, I didn't think we were sharp enough. I thought we had some some very good looks that we um, got to, and, and we weren't sharp enough on some of our offensive opportunities. Um, that's going to happen some nights. You know, we, uh, our power play has operated at the level it has this season. That's going to happen. How about the penalty kill step up and, um, um, you know, take care of the other team's power play? And if that would have happened, I think, um, you know, uh, we wouldn't be talking about... Uh, our lack of production um, and the penalty kill I believe has taken a step here over time but tonight we got touched up it's the way it goes uh, but it was the difference in the game Ryan Nugent Hopkins meanwhile added these comments on the special teams battle last night so we just simply lost the special teams battle and, uh, at the end of the day is kind of what it came down to and um, five and five for the most part we were getting some looks and um, generating a little bit of chance uh, a few chances and a little bit of uh, momentum and then get stopped short by a penalty kill Derek Ryan says uh, these comments on the Oilers PK last night I mean we'll have to go back and watch the tape but um, obviously a game we want back on the PK I liked our game 5-1-5 I thought we carried majority of the play and had some good looks good zone time and uh, penalty kill just couldn't get it done all right, I'm going to quickly go into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. This text comes in out of Edmonton. It says, Bob, let's face it, not tough enough and no team defense, no playoffs. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Um, and again, you can uh, keep texting us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Desmond out of Sturgeon County says, Bob, do you think the Oilers' defense in 1920 was better constructed than they currently are today? In my opinion, this is a bottom 15 NHL defense. We need to find a way to acquire number two, three uh, pairing defensemen. Well, Desmond, there's two big differences from the 1920 D to the D now. We discussed the impact yesterday of what happened when Oscar Clefbaum retired because he played the 1920 season and so too did Adam Larson. Now they've kind of replaced Larson with CeCe, though this year Larson's infinitely better than CeCe. Last year, CeCe outplayed Larson. You can look it up. They haven't replaced Oscar Clefbaum. They're adding a defenseman at some point, probably closer to the deadline. Uh, regarding forward, if it's me, I add two more forwards that can play in the bottom six on top of getting back a healthy Evander Kane. 12-26 in orders now when we return. Uh, we will uh, get to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing. This is Oilers Now. Let's go to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandising specialist, Drew Shamahorn and the staff at Elite, Edmonton owned and operated ElitePromoMarketing.com. Here's Brendan. Ten games across the league tonight, including Canucks at Penguins, which Chris Letang, by the way, will not participate in for Pittsburgh, still away from the team. Uh, Jets are uh, at the Red Wings and the Flames are at the Blues. Tomorrow, Oilers return to action against the Anaheim Ducks. 8 p.m. puck drop on 6.30, Chad. Condors meet the Wranglers once again at the Saddle Dome tonight in Calgary. That's AHL action. Uh, Oil Kings hosting Moose Jaw tonight before visiting Red Deer on Friday. You mentioned, Bob, it is 
the junior hockey uh, roster deadline today. Edmonton property did move in the dub. Jake Chason is on his way uh, from Brandon to Saskatoon. Going to tell you more about that in the prospect report coming up for Reface Magic in hour number two today. Shane Wright, now a Windsor Spitfire, can confirm after a trade moved him from Kingston yesterday. And it is the Golden Bears hitting the roads there in BC's lower mainland for a pair of games against Trinity Western Friday and Saturday. An opportunity, Bob, I'm sure, to bounce back after a pair of losses to Mount Royal. Yeah, uh, they weren't very good, and they've dropped, and they don't have as good a team as they've had in past years. Uh, Georgia. Brendan, we called it. We said they would wipe out TCU. They did. It was ugly. Uh, it was incredible seeing all the Georgia fans around our hotel. By the way, uh, and I know it's cold in Edmonton, relatively speaking. It has not stopped raining here. It is... It is a deluge in various different parts of California. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And then for the horses in horse racing Alberta, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff.